Part Two, Chapter Four of *The Pride of Yenicle*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. *The Pride of Yenicle* by Edgerton and Agnes Castle. Part Two, Chapter Four narrative of an episode at white's club in which captain yenicle was concerned set forth from contemporary accounts the tenth hour of an october night had rung out over a fog-swathed london yet despite the time of year unfashionable for town life despite the unpropitious weather the long card-room at white's was rapidly filling the tables each lit by its own set of candles shone dimly like a little green archipelago in a sea of mist groups were gathering round sundry of these boards the dice had begun to rattle voices to ring out the nightly scene was being repeated wherein all were actors down to the waiters who had their private bets and lost and won with their patrons somewhat apart in the seclusion of a window recess cosily ensconced so as to profit of the warmth of the great yellow fire sat three gentlemen a fourth chair remained vacant at their table and from the impatient glances which two of the party now and again turned upon the different doors it was evident that the arrival of its expected occupant was overdue the third gentleman who bore the stamp of a distinctly foreign race although his hair which he bore but slightly powdered was of a fair hue and his face rather sanguine than dark seemed to endure the delay with complete indifference his attention was wholly given to the shuffling of a pack of cards which he manipulated with extreme dexterity while he listened to his companion's remarks with impassive countenance he was a handsome man despite a bulk of frame and feature which almost amounted to coarseness hardly yet in the prime of life with full blue eyes and full red lips which took when he spoke or smiled a curious curve bearing the canine in almost sinister fashion the chevalier de villerouge introduced at white's by the prussian ambassador as a distinguished officer of the great frederick visiting england for his pleasure had shown himself so daring a player as to be welcomed among the most noted gamblers he had lost and won large sums with great breeding and had in his six weeks stay contrived to improve an imperfect knowledge of an alien tongue in such fashion as to make intercourse with his english companions quite sufficiently easy the youngest of the trio at the table in the corner this foggy night was naturally the one to display his feelings most openly a clean-faced square-built english lad fresh it would seem from the playing fields of school yet master of his title and fortune and cornet in the life-guards sir john beddoes was already a familiar figure in the club as indeed his finances could bear doleful testimony the green cuff-guards adjusted over his delicate ruffles the tablets and pencil ready at his elbow it was clear he was itching to put another slice of his patrimony to the hazard his opposite neighbour beau carew as he dearly loved to hear himself dubbed was a man of another kidney and fifteen years of nights systematically turned into days had left their stamp upon features once noted for their beauty though ready now with a sneer or jest for his companion's youthful eagerness his eyes wandering restlessly from the clock to the doors betrayed an almost equal anxiety to begin the business of the evening devil take yenicle cried the baronet at last striking the table so that the dice leaped in their box upon my soul it's too bad he gave me an appointment here at ten to-night and it wants now but six minutes to eleven bet he comes before the clock strikes imposed mr carew ten guineas done with you dick said sir john promptly the bet was registered a five minutes passed in watching the timepiece of the mantel-shelf 
all the young baronet's eagerness being now against the event he had been burning to hasten the strokes rang out with a smile he held out his broad palm into which carew duly dropped ten pieces tis the first bit of luck the fellow has brought me yet gad i believe my luck has turned why the devil don't he come that i may ease him of a little of that superfluous wealth of his i swear he gets more swollen day by day while we grow lean hey carew like the kind in the bible damn him the water goes to the river as the french say in spite of all our dams sniggered carew but as for me i am content that you should go on playing with yenico so that i may back him my purse has not been in such good condition for many a long day poor devil how monstrous unfortunate his amours must still be i only wish with a conscience wriggle he could give me the recipe yet you have lost on him now retorted beddoes tapping his breast-pocket and if you back him to-night you lose on him again i warn you i am in the vein i tell you but there is the quarter rot him i believe he is going to rat after all bet you he don't come till half-past carew fifty done said carew quietly noting down the entry he is erratic i grant you <laughs> did you note me chevalier but he has a taste for the table though i believe he'd as soon lose his wind were it only for the sake of change tis about all he cares for the dullest dog i bet you there is not a man in the room has heard him laugh you won't find any fool to take up that bet carew heigh-ho i'd willingly accommodate myself with a little of his melancholy at that price better look up a princess for yourself then jack said carew perhaps the chevalier can give you an introduction to some other fascinating german highness won't it do over here asked beddoes with a grin do you think i'd have a chance with augusta twenty past let him keep away till the half-hour now zounds twould be a mean trick if he failed me on my lucky night though i don't want him for ten minutes yet he has fairly cleared me out the team will have to go next if i don't get back some of my i o u s why it would be a very good thing for thee jack if he played thee false i say so though i should lose most damnably by it thy team will go thy coaches will go thy carts thy grooms thy dog thy cat why man thou must lose tis as plain as the nose on lady maria's face and he must win poor wretch and i too since i back him ask the chevalier if it is not a text of truth all over the world lucky at cards unlucky in love never look so sulky boy tis providential compensation you surprise me gentlemen said the chevalier with a strong guttural accent lifting as he spoke his heavy lids for the first time i was not aware that captain yenico was so afflicted in his affections you surprised me chevalier returned carew gaily i deemed you and he such friends why i won a hundred from my lord oldswater but yester-even by waging him that you would be the only man in the room to whom yenico would speak more than ten words within the hour the counting was not difficult he said sixty-four to you and five to jack mr yenico has certainly shown me both kindness and sympathy said the chevalier who now had folded his strong white hands over the pack of cards and sat the very embodiment of repose doubtless our having both served in the same part of the world though under different standards has somewhat drawn us together but he has not made me his confidant and so you don't know the tale of yenico and the princess tis a dashed fine tale carew you are a wit or think you are it comes to much the same thing tune up man give your version for turning to the chevalier again there are now as many versions current as days in the month tis twenty-five minutes past you had better get your i o u ready master carew i have three hundred chances yet said carew then turning to the foreigner 
would you really sir care to hear the true story of our friend's discomfiture i am about the only man in town that knows the true one but all that's old scandal now town talk of last year as stale as lady villiers nine virgin daughters there are a dozen new ones since would you not rather hear the last of his royal highness of duke of c and lady w that is choice if you like and as fresh as rosalinda's last admirer hey john i am not fond said the chevalier dryly of hearing those discussed who being high-born have the right to claim respect and homage but i confess to some interest in my friend mr yenico begad then responded mr carew flicking a grain of snuff from the ruffles of his pouting bosom i cannot promise to spare your scruples concerning scandal in high quarters for the heroine of the romance is and would appear one of your own german royalties but since you wish the story you shall have it there is then a certain dorothea maria augusta carolina sophia etc etc daughter of some duke of alsatia swabia dalmatia no stay uh lusatia wherever that may be ay that's the name one of your two hundred odd principalities you know all about it i don't and yenico who as you are aware was in the imperial service met this wondrously beautiful princess at some court function somewhere they danced they conversed she was fair he was fond fill it in for yourself he thought himself a tremendous cock of the walk to be brief he aspired to act king cofetua and the beggar-maid turned the other way with the exception that he is as rich as croesus he made so sure of the lady's favour that he wrote over to his mother to announce the marriage as a settled thing a royal alliance with the prospect of speedily mounting to the throne on the strength of his wife's pretensions <laughs> tis a droll story said the chevalier gravely and then oh then zounds you can conceive the flutter in the dovecote over him my lady yenico his mother was blown out with pride swimming in the higher regions and a perfect balloon gad she would no longer bow to any one less than a duke she ran hither and thither cackling the news like the hen that has laid an egg she sent i was told in the best authority to the lord chamberlain to know what precedence the young couple would be given at the next birthday she called at the college of arms to inquire about the exact marshalling of the coat of lusatia with that of yenico <laughs> and whether the resultant monstrosity would comport a royal crown faith that's a good one said sir john with a guffaw i had not heard that carew fact fact i assure you smiled the wit very droll repeated monsieur de villerouge with impassive muscles when continued carew lo and behold what a falling off was there as young rocius says what a come down humpty dumpty was nothing to it poor lady yenico's egg ah well we all know pride must have a fall your fair compatriot sir had but amused herself with the fine englishman for which i would be loath to blame her she gave him it is said indeed every pledge of her affection but when he began to prate of rings and marriage lines and pressed her to become mrs yenico she found him a little too presumptuous at least i take it so and being it would seem of a merry turn of mind devised a little joke to play upon him pretending to yield at last to his urgency she gave her consent to a secret marriage and in the dark chapel palmed off her chambermaid upon him <laughs> so the poor devil carrying off his bride by night in high glee thinking himself a very fine fellow indeed never discovered till he had brought her home they had given his hand and name to a squinting sausage-nosed carroty maid daughter of the court confectioner called in baptism by the princess's names like half the girls in town 
the story goes that the princess with all the court were waiting at his house to see the happy pair arrive and i have had secret but absolutely incontestable information that the princess laughed till she had to be bled Monsieur de villerouge smiled at last in evident appreciation of the humour of the situation it is on my honour a most comic story he said but how come you so well acquainted with the matter surely my poor friend yenico has ill-chosen his confidant devil a word have i heard from yenico said Kirou. faith he has ever been the same cheerful conversational fellow you wot of and it would take a bold man to question him but truth you know will out truth will out in time ay said the chevalier and was shaken with silent merriment half past eleven roared the baronet suddenly stretching out a great paw and snapping his fingers under the bow's face zounds cried the wit turning to look at the clock with some discomposure no jack no there is still a fraction of a minute the half-hour has not struck and by heaven here's our man had you not better sup with rosalinda to-night sir john in the act of looking round pettishly he had not yet reached the enviable state of mind in which a gambler declares that the greatest delight after winning is that of losing found his attention unexpectedly arrested by the countenance of the chevalier de villerouge which presented at that moment such an extraordinary appearance that the young man forgot his irritation and remained gazing at it in open-mouthed astonishment the features usually remarkable for their set rather heavy composure were perturbed to the verge of distortion the whole face was stained with angry purple the veins of the forehead swollen like whipcord sir john beddoe's wits were none of the sharpest but it was clear even to him that the emotion thus expressed was one of furious disappointment but while he cudgelled his brains for an explanation of this sudden humour in a man who was neither winner nor loser by basil yenico's appearance the face of the chevalier resumed its wonted indifferent expression and dullness of hue with rapidity that altogether confounded the observer by this time the tall figure of the newcomer had wended its way down the room and was close upon them all turned to greet him and poor sir john found his feelings once more subjected to a shock the acquaintances of basil yenico were accustomed to find his brow charged with gloom to see his cheek wear the pallor of one who sleeps little and thinks much but in his demeanour to-night was more than the usual sombreness on his countenance other than natural pallor and he stood for a moment responding absently to the chevalier's hearty greeting and carew's bantering salutation of all hail it became further apparent that his dress was disordered that his ruffles were torn and blood-stained that his brocade jacket was jaggedly rent upon the left side and also ominously stained here and there gadzooks man exclaimed carew his bleared grey eyes lighting at the prospect of a new wholesale scandal for his little retail shop what has happened thee wounded how ah best not inquire perhaps bedos lad see you he has got reasons for his delay who knows but that you may have a chance to-night after all a deadly dig well aimed under the fifth rib a true benedict's pinking or shall we say gowering ahem have a care yanico these wounds from horned beasts are reputed ill to heal ah sad dog sad dog i will warrant thou hast had the balance nevertheless to thy credit now do i remember a little lady was casting very curious looks at you at almack's last night basil had flung himself into the chair that had so long awaited him and seemed to lend but a half apprehending ear to the prattler on his left who as he leant towards him was hardly able to restrain his eager hand from fingering the hurt so unmistakably evidenced 
on the right the chevalier as unsuccessfully pressed him with earnest queries manifesting it would seem a genuine anxiety great god my friend what has happened the stentorian tones of sir john beddoes who saw an opportunity of retrieving his fortunes here broke in hastily upon carew's flow of words bet you double or quits it was not lady sue and aroused mr yenico's attention i should be loath to spoil sport he said but i advise no one to bet on my bone fortune this scratch for it is nothing more mr carew and i would show it to you with pleasure and reward for your flattering interest but the surgeon has just bound it up very neatly and it would be a pity to disturb his handiwork it is but the sixth of a series of attempts on my life and made within the last six weeks by persons unknown for purposes likewise unknown dash it yenico you might have let me enter the bet said the baronet sulkily while carew sniffing a choicer tidbit of gossip than he had expected wriggled with pleasure and the chevalier expressed unbound amazement that such a state of things could exist above all in england it is even so resumed basil turning to the last speaker as if glad to give vent to some of his pent-up irritation i confess that when i returned to my native land i did expect to find at least a quiet life why in my house at tollendal where those who surrounded me were half savages ruled by the stick and the halter where it was deemed imprudent for the master to walk the roads without his bodyguard there was never so much as a stone thrown after me but here in old england my life i believe would not be worth backing for a week he looked round with a smile in which melancholy and disdain were blended now damn me cried sir john struck in his easy good nature into sudden warmth and sympathy nay now damn me yenico i will take any man a hundred guineas that you are alive this day month done said the chevalier with such unexpected energy that all three turned round to look at him with surprise perceiving which he went on laughing to conceal an evident embarrassment your betting habits here are infectious but while i will not withdraw i am prepared to be glad to lose rather than gain for once he fixed basil across the table with his brooding eye as he spoke and bowed to him then returned to the baronet no sir Bedos, i am not going to recede from the wager this as a wager worth recording was forthwith entered into the club book basil looked on half in amusement half in bitterness tis likely after all he said addressing sir john that you may win and that the chevalier may be afforded the pleasure of losing for i seem to bear a charmed life perhaps he added with a sigh because i care so little for it though to be sure there is something galling to a man in being shot at from behind a hedge and set on in the dark and not knowing where the murderer may be lying in wait for him at what street corner at what turn of the road behind what hayrick if i have not kept my appointment over punctually to-night it is because a rogue has had me by the park gateway in piccadilly there is more here than mere accidental villainy the next will be that i shall see murder in my own servant's eyes or who knows find it lying at the bottom of my cup ha i am as bold as most men i would welcome death more readily than most but by heaven it is unfair treatment and i have had more than my share of it why yenico said carew you never spoke a word of this before a fellow has no right to keep such doings dark tell us the details i tell us all about it said sir john with round eyes ready to start from their orbits true said basil you have now an interest jack in knowing what sorts of odds are against you well you shall learn all you wish but let us to supper gentlemen meanwhile that we may lose no further time and start better fortified upon the evening's business if Bedos is still anxious for his revenge end of part two chapter four